Chew on this for a second. If you believe in self-esteem, then you also believe in gambling your self-worth away every time you get an outcome you define as bad. In other words, if you get a bad outcome, then you also start beating yourself up because this outcome turned you into a bad person. Dr. Kashi posits self-esteem poisons people worse than hate, which may come as a derivative of self-esteem. Let's discuss it, and then do something about it. Roll the intro! Hello! Hello! Ooh. Spicy one today. Spicy one. Oh, so much spice. Welcome to... Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. And I gotta tell you, I've been, I've been wrestling with something, and on today's Nerd Rage, you and I are tearing apart uh, the infectious disease that is self-esteem, okay? We're wrestling this down together, okay? Did you think this was just a clickbaity title? Man, my microphone is even in the wrong place. We're wrestling with self-esteem today, everybody. Did you just think this was a clickbaity title or what? This is serious. Did you think there's any merit to this? Like anything in the world, in, in, in the eggheads world, it all depends on how the term gets defined, okay? I will say outright that my bias is towards, my bias is all the way towards self-esteem being a disease state, all right? And I think that this is the nastiest cognitive poison out there as far as, like, I think self-esteem is even worse than hate. I really do. Uh, a word like that is kind of spicy right now, but let me flesh it out. Let me flesh it out. <laughs> flesh it out. That's funny. Okay. It'll make more sense once I show you how one ends up, ends up into the other. Okay. Hate has obviously more measurable outcomes. Specific resistances to change, prejudice, bigotry, violence, war, and death. All right. Hate is nasty stuff. The outcomes are measurable. Many of them are horrifying. Hate is always one of the hottest topics of discussion and for good reason. Self-esteem, on the other hand, self-esteem is a bit trickier and only measurable even if qualitatively on a smaller scale. However, I will show you that self-esteem ends up with you invariably just hating yourself. Since that is the case, hate, it would seem, is self-esteem's frustrated, angry, and violent child. So we're body slamming this mess. <clears throat> okay, and now we're getting serious. I'm gonna get dressed now. I just wanted to throw a fit on camera. Hold on, everybody. Excuse me. Okay, there. Normal Dr. Cashy is back, body slamming. Dr. Cashy is now back under the. Okay. It's just. Okay. <laughs> I get to use this as a mirror now. All right, thank you everybody for your patience. I had to get that out of my system. Self esteem is a disease. And now we can get to what we are learning. <laughs> what are we learning? We're learning what self esteem is. We're learning what self-esteem is. We're learning how self-esteem is a cognitive poison that smugly influences your beliefs and actions. And we get a primer on the optionality of self-esteem and what to do about it. So a little bit of background here. How do you and I define self-esteem? How do you and I define self-esteem? I appreciate the difficulty of this because the language around this topic, as with many other topics, appears to be arbitrary and willy-nilly. For the sake of today's conversation, though, we are defining it as follows, okay? Make sure I have everything in order here. All my body slamming got everything in disarray. <laughs> okay, we're defining self-esteem as this. 
making a value judgment of who you are as a person, what kind of person you are, and what you think you're meant to be as a person, and based on those judgments, who, what, and how you will continue to be. And you make these value judgments based on two categories, two main categories, the expectations you set of yourself and the expectations other people have of you. Category one, the expectations you have of yourself, the expectations you have in your education, your career path, your hobbies. Now, by circumventing and avoiding extra conflict in those areas, you will regard it as good. You will regard it as good. I think that makes sense. By solving problems and achieving in those areas of your life, you will again regard it as good. Indeed, you have done a good thing and got the stuff. <laughs> However, this, this evaluation is done in the context of your totality. In other words, I did the good things, therefore I am a good person. You can readily replace good with great, happy, successful, or any other affirmative label. In the same vein, when expectations are rudely violated by a deficient, mediocre, distressing, or regrettable performance, you will regard it as bad. Indeed, you have done a bad thing with the stuff. <laughs> However, this evaluation, too, is done in the context of your totality. In other words, I did the bad things, therefore I am a bad person. And you can and do replace bad with slow, fat, stupid, weak, dumbass, idiot, failure, or any other any other negative label? Any other negative label? Category number two, the expectations other people have of you. Relating well with others. Earning their praise. Temporarily satisfying somebody's conditional approval of your existence. When you relate well, earn other people's praise, and temporarily satisfy their conditional approval of your existence, then you will too regard that as good. <laughs> And when your value as a person is conjoined with, with their temporary satisfaction of your existence, then just like we learned, that too makes you good, worth it, happy sort of person as well. In that same vein, when you so rudely violate that person's expectations, even if mistakenly, by, how would you say this, by, by any deficient, mediocre, distressing, or regrettable performance, then you will regard it as bad. Indeed, you have done a bad thing with the stuff. And when your values as a person are conjoined with their temporary and conditional satisfaction of your existence, then just like we learned, that makes you a bad, dumb, slow, weak, idiot, failure, etc. as a person as well. So let's explore the issue a bit more. Do you see how this gets tricky? How defining your identity, worth, or humanity action to action leads to some problems? I think it clearly creates trouble for people every day, all the time. The most trouble out of anything, perhaps. Taking risks is an essential ingredient for learning. This means that taking risks is an essential ingredient for human development. Hmm? Risks, by definition, have a chance of violating expectations. When your worth as a person is determined by the outcome of a risk, you therefore consistently and literally gamble your self-worth away. Problem number one, under these premises, the only way to preserve your self-esteem is to eliminate risk. However, as we now know, eliminating risk also means you eliminate learning and self-development. Elimination of learning and self-development quite flagrantly destroys self-worth, <laughs> defeating the purpose. Since it is in a person's nature to improve themselves in one way or another, then it would seem failure is not an option is one of the stupidest, although one of the stupidest motivational quips of all time is 99% right, but 100% wrong. Indeed, failure is not an option. Failure is a requirement. 
What a pickle. What a pickle. Problem number two. Under these premises, the only way to continuously improve your precious self-esteem is to be continuously perfect. And that is absurd. There is an impulsive understanding that self-esteem is temporary. This means that it's a beast that requires constant feeding. So see, point number one, feeding a beast is inherently risky and risks inevitably violate expectations causing flagrant destruction of (sighs) self-worth. Defeating the purpose. Even if you do have good levels of self-esteem, you know, impulsively, that's also risky. Why? Because circularly, it's temporary. Because it continuously drains anyway. Moreover, there is a real risk that any misstep, chaos, honest mistakes, or otherwise, at any time, could pull the self-worth rug right out from under you. And it happens. It happens. Since it is in a person's nature to understand, even if way deep down, that positive feelings are temporary, you literally end up training yourself to feel concerned, worried, edgy, and anxious if you ever feel good good about something, especially yourself. This anxiety translates to your behaviors tied to your self-worth, also known as performance anxiety. This performance anxiety is a sad twist of irony. Bring out the whiteboard of wisdom here. Bring out the whiteboard of wisdom. It makes your performance worse, increasing the risk of failure. Okay? Your quest for self-esteem Therefore, incurs a very real and damaging cost to your performance. Performance you must have to reach your ridiculous expectations. You know, the ones that determine your worth as a person. Herein lies a self-perpetuating anxiety, poor performance, vicious cycle. Make sure I have everything in frame here. There is an absolute need to perform, okay? Your self-worth, the need for self-esteem, the need for self-esteem generates a need to perform. Desiree made this, Mrs. Cashy, which is why it's so much prettier than mine. (laughs) The absolute need to perform to ridiculous standards to achieve self-worth creates anxiety. Before, during, and times you perform when it needs to be lowest. This so-called performance anxiety increases your risk of self-sabotage, generally speaking, making your performance worse. Okay? Self-sabotage and poor performance prove, in quotes, prove you are worthless, fat, weak, slow, dumb, etc. And this lowered self-worth translates to greater levels of anxiety. And around the merry-go-round we go. Now the difference is that you expend some self-worth. Self-worth goes in this cycle. You expend self-worth to to crank this, okay? This cranking, this hellish, self-perpetuating cognitive loop. And every cycle generates friction. You, 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 you put self-worth in, you crank the cycle, generate friction, and this friction is emitted as a depression point. <laughs> self-worth goes in, negative self-image and depression come out. So you insert self-worth, you crank that loop, that generates cognitive friction, and that cognitive friction is emitted as depression points and negative self-image. And this continuous sabotaging and shortfalling proves your negative self-observations are correct. Go through this nasty loop enough times, you prove your worth all right, I'll let you define the rest. So boil down, boil down, your need for self-esteem cripples your chances of even getting it. And when you do get it, it makes you worried, concerned, and anxious. And this anxiety makes you worse at the things connected to your self-worth. You literally teach yourself to hate feeling good about anything, especially when it's feeling good about yourself or the things you've accomplished. The caveat being, of course, that you're perfect. And that would make you quite a particularly strange creature indeed. So what's the solution? Well, that's what you and I are discussing in the next episode. What I can do is give you a few hints. It does require two things. One, 
kicking the psychological binary to the curb and welcoming the biological continuum, and two, kicking self-esteem to the curb and welcoming self-respect. Those are concepts that we introduced here and there in other episodes. I discuss them in greater, more practical detail in the next episode. You and I are taking a more critical look at self-respect and contrasting it with self-esteem. So here's what you've learned. Self-esteem is the tying of, of the worth of your very being to what is essentially being perfect, even if you perform to your expectations in every single instance of your life. Impressive. You're still at the mercy of random chaos. Eliminating all risk means eliminating your chances of learning and developing which flagrantly demolishes your self-worth anyway. And this is a pickle. Self-esteem, therefore, is a literal definition of gambling your self-worth away. Having what you do tied to your self-worth gives you anxiety when you have to do that stuff. That makes you crappier at doing those things, creating more anxiety. <laughs> Putting you through that nasty depressive grinder. And by virtue of cognitive friction, it converts your self-worth into negative self-image and depression. Yes, self-esteem is a disease. So in conclusion, get ahead of the curve. Start edging out the psychological binary, the good and the bad, with the biological continuum, where many outcomes stem from a relatively chaotic system. And start edging out self-esteem, your self-worth tied to outcomes, and make room for self-respect, where the outcomes are tied to actions. So if you're interested in kicking self-esteem to the curb in favor of self-respect, then make sure to let Dr. Cashy know by sending him a message and leaving him a comment because he gets back to all of them. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>